This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, we got a full show on a Tuesday night. We got lots to get to. We've got guests and we got you on the phones. Gordon and I will get started next. Love to hear from you at 1-800-919-3776. Also via X, formerly Twitter, at Gordon Damer, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM, along with Harvey and Joe. We ride until midnight on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon Damer. Larry Hardesty, it is good to have you back, my friend. Thank you. We got a new wheel for the hamsters, and we got power. <laughs> Look, if you don't want to talk about Zach Wilson or Aaron Rod- you just say so. You don't have to bail out on the show and leave me here solo. Well, this is you true. You just say the word, and I will follow your lead. I, I understand that. I appreciate that. But once again, I, I was looking forward to chatting with you for the t- 20 minutes that we had last night. Right. Because <laughs> it was a Nick win. You know, I love coming on talking after Nick wins. Absolutely. That's the best time. But, yes. you know, they lost last night. So, yeah, But that bit, wasn't the reason why. that wasn't the reason why I left you either. Like I said, you know, the wheels broke. So we got new wheels uh, good to for go. the hamsters, and we're good mm-hmm. to go, my friend. All right. Like now, it. you're getting close to Turkey Day. What is that preparation like at the Damer household? For me? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yes. There's no prep. I don't do any. I might, I might break out the vacuum. <laughs> I, do, I do the vacuuming in the house. This might come as news to you, Larry. I, mm-hmm. I am the person in charge of the vacuuming in the house, so I'll take okay. care of the vacuuming. And right. we are actually, I think for the first time, we are kind of hosting Oh, on Thanksgiving. Now, my, my in-laws are just coming over here and still doing all the work. I don't know how my <laughs> wife got them to do that. They're still the ones carrying the bulk. I, my uh, role on Thanksgiving is come into the room, tell a funny story, and then go watch football. Uh, that's, that's generally the, the wow. amount of contribution. And then eat, obviously. I, I eat the food. I say, well, this is great, and that's great, because everything is great. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in terms of pregame, I, I don't have a whole lot of – I don't have a whole lot of preparation. Well, we're, we're similar that way. Uh, the bulk of my, my pregame has been done over the past week going back and forth to the store. There you go. Look, okay, you, you so contribute in the way. You, absolutely. We, absolutely. And I have vacuuming to do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you then know, get look, out of the way. Yeah, uh, we're mopping. Like, you know, look, here, here's what's the best thing about being around athletes, Gordon, mm-hmm. and you will agree. Know your role. Exactly. And I know my role. And get out of the way. There's <laughs> nothing the worse way. than when you're trying to get something done and people are in the way. Absolutely. So you would re- you don't want to insult them. No, so, of course not. But it's just better for everybody involved. I'll go over here and you you do the figurative, let the person cook. That's like a hot saying now. Let them cook. Yep. This is the literal cooking. They have to literally cook. So I just get out of the way. I let my wife cook and, and go watch some football. Now, I will have some driving duties to bring some folks over mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving Day, but that's it. I drive, watch, nice. watch football. There when, you go. When they say, when Jeanette says, all right, tell them to come in, I, Jeanette says, come in. And that's he, it. You know, I'll be at the table down, momentarily. There you that's go. It. We sit down, we eat. Afterwards, you know, between games, mm-hmm. I get back in the car, I take them back home, and I'm good. There you I'm go. Good, you know. It's, it, it's amazing how well-trained we are, Gordon. Exactly. <laughs> And that leads to peace and quiet. Right. Which is happy marriages. A gorgeous right? thing. Exactly. Everybody's <laughs> happy at the thing. end of the oh, day. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got a company on the show tonight, uh, Alanis Thames, who joined us when we were trying to dissect Miami against the Giants earlier this season, is back and will join us at 945 to give us a preview of, of Fish 
and Jets on uh, Black Friday. By the way, Gordon and I will follow Dan and Greg on Friday. Yes, we're working Black Friday. So mm-hmm. we'll be here at night. So, you know, you're, Gordon will be able to dissect that Miami game for you. I'm not going to jinx you. I'm just going to say Miami game. Yeah. Okay, I'm not jinxing you. Mm-hmm. So Gordon will here will be here to jinx that uh, to uh, <clears throat> dissect that game for you and uh, get your I'll thoughts be on in a, it. In a very good mood, and I'll be looking to help people out in their time of need, or I uh. will be in the worst mood <laughs> possible, Larry. There is no middle ground. So you got to tune in to find out which Gordon you're going to see. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be interesting, and of course, Rich Samini in his weekly spot will join us at the top of the hour. Uh, Gordon, speaking of the tops, let's dissect the top stories we're going to chat about. Let's do it. During our chat tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. We begin with that guy. I know he played for 23 years. I know he's not played this year, but he's in the news. He is Tom Brady. He told our Stephen A. Smith on the Stephen A. Smith Show, there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL. He cited numerous reasons for his evaluation, Gordon, including coaching and player development. Quoting Brady, I think the coaching isn't as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. I don't think the schemes are as good as they were. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. I mean, he's only been out a year, but he, it's a little early for him to be getting people off his lawn, isn't it, Gordon? Well, now that he is a broadcaster involved in the NFL, and basically he is an employee of the NFL, he has to learn that the term is not mediocrity, it's parody. That's it's right. parody in the NFL. It's not mediocrity. It's everybody's equal, so we don't know who's going to win, although we probably have a pretty good idea who's going to win at the end of the year. We normally do because the same people are usually in the mix. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Rich Amini on the Flight Deck podcast, available on 98.7 ESPN's New York app, revisited the decision the Jets made to make Zach Wilson the number two pick overall. I can tell you this for an absolute fact. There was not unanimous love for Wilson in the Jets building. Now, Joe Douglas was head over heels, I mean, and it clinched on that pro day out in Provo, Utah at the BYU pro day when he was making all those Mahomes-like throws. Joe Joe Douglas fell for the guy and others in the organization did, but I can tell you there were also people in the draft process who saw him as a good developmental type quarterback, the kind of quarterback you would take in the second round. So there was not unanimous love. I think there were some people who actually even wanted to keep Sam Darnold. You're probably going to hear some stuff about that, and I think that is true. Keep Darnold and then use that second pick to trade and bring back a windfall of draft picks. So the people who thought he was a developmental quarterback in the second round, of those people, that should be the new general manager for the New York Jets. Okay. Yeah, it feels like uh, there's some some people running for cover now. Right now that it's yep. n- now it's every man for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, look, uh, the, the Darnold thing wouldn't have worked either. No, you would nope. still would not have had a quarterback. Now you could make the argument that the Jets blew it at number two, but they would have blown it any way that they could have, because Trey Lance wasn't any good. Mac Jones has certainly had his problems. It's hard to imagine anybody playing worse than Zach Wilson has, and I don't think it's just the decision to pick Zach Wilson. I think it was some of the things that were put around Zach Wilson as well, the decisions made. It's been a complete mess. But see, that's why, and we always have this discussion, and I always credit Mike uh, Mike Westhoff, the former Jets special team coach, for for his phrase. That's why you can't put your stock in the underwear Olympics, Gordon. Yeah, you, ha- you have to look at video. It's it's a combination of everything. You know, it's a, you have to look at the whole picture. And to just say, wow, look at the pose he made. Look at that. 
in those conditions, there was no pass rush. There mm -hmm. was, there was nobody, there was no coverage for him to dissect. I mean, there's other things that you have to look at with other than, you know, the pro day. Okay. The pro day was nice, but you know, it's, it, 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 Gordon is like your, is like your, your best audition video when you're doing TV, you know, the, there was some that weren't that good. That's not on that video. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, look, at the end of the day, we think these guys come out as finished products. They are not. You're not just mm -hmm. going up and down the, the supermarket aisles. Oh, I need a quarterback. Let me grab one of these. There's a process that's involved. After watching him for three years, I would think that no matter what happens, it just doesn't seem like Zach can process things quickly enough to be successful. So I don't know. There's not a whole lot to make me believe that he would have been successful anywhere. You know, Mac Jones, I see at times, and he has been successful in the mm -hmm. NFL. Now, maybe it's coaching, maybe it's talent. The, the, all these quarterbacks, there's some combination of things. With Zach, it feels like he's going to need a whole – he would have needed a whole lot more around him to be successful, and I'm kind of of the belief that he probably wouldn't have been successful anywhere. Interesting. Well, he spoke to the media today, Gordon, and they got his reaction on Tim Boyle starting against Miami. Not surprised, you know, either way. I mean, like I said to you guys, you know, when, when you're not scoring touchdowns consistently and, uh, you know, we're letting our defense down and we're not, we're not putting up points, I mean, what do you expect? You know, you can sit there and, you know, be happy with the progress I feel like I've made, you know, personally, but, like, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you can't score, you know, and I truly understand that. And, it starts with the quarterback, and it's finding a way to get it done, and we're not we're not doing that. And so, you know what? If you keep doing the same thing, nothing's going to change. So, you know, I understand. You know, Gordon, in those quiet moments when Zach Wilson's shaving or washing his face, and he's looking at himself in the mirror, very quietly, Gordon, he's probably happy that he's not starting for the sense of how for your confidence. How could you keep going out there and not having any success? Yeah, I don't get the sense that he has that um, that fire in him. Uh, you hear other quarterbacks who would not even take a snap out of practice to allow the backup to, to, to get a chance to, to get a sniff. With all that's gone on through these three years, I would think that at this point Wilson is, is resigned to what his fate is here and is, is more kind of looking to where that next opportunity comes if it does come. Generally, if you're a second pick in the draft, He's probably going to get a chance someplace else. Uh, but I would think that at this point, there's nothing to be salvaged here with him. Robert Salas standing in front of the media, taking all the slings and arrows. And he was asked about not having a more qualified number two to back up Aaron Rodgers. No, we think Zach is incredibly talented. Felt like he'd get an opportunity to sit behind uh, Aaron and, and just learn if empathetically or sympathetically. When you look at Zach, he's never really had an opportunity to watch somebody play the uh, play the position. Joe Flacco was fantastic. Uh, Mike White did some good things, but to just sit back and just watch from ground up. And uh, that was his opportunity with Aaron. And uh, four plays in, he's back into the starting lineup. So he never really got to really sit back and kind of absorb and just get that redshirt year that you would have loved to have given him. But you could always play the hindsight's 2020 game but we felt like we did what was best for the organization best for the team you know it's a, it's been an unfortunate series of events when you look at all the injuries on the old line and just the things that have transpired since the start of the year all right so how about not having a more qualified quarterback number two in the first year that could have been number one so he could have sat and watched that would have been perfect yeah well i, I mean that's not his responsibility 
Nope. Right. I mean, he's the head coach. His his job is to get the most out of the talent that he has, but it's not to make the decision on what that talent is. That's the GM's po- uh, role. Uh, and I get that that Robert Sala is the is the face of of answering the questions. He's the face of the organization. So I do find it interesting that when he answers question, we we felt this, we felt that. Mm-hmm. It feels like he is. Um, whether knowingly or unknowingly, kind of putting things out there between pleading the fifth on the K show, um, the, the 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 whole brouhaha between uh, did did he want to pick Zach Wilson or not? Was that Joe Douglas's decision? It feels like there's a lot of running for cover now because we see what's coming down the pike. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, Daniel Jones, remember him, Gordon? Daniel I do. Jones? I've, I've heard of him. Yes. Going back at the Giants. Well, he announced on the Up and Adams podcast he would get surgery on his knee tomorrow. And he was also asked if the criticism of his play bothers him considering all the injuries, especially to the offensive line. Every team in the league deals with injuries. They deal with, you know, situations that aren't perfect. And and the job is to overcome those and and win anyway, play well anyway. So, yeah, I didn't didn't play well enough, didn't do enough for us to to put us in position to win games. And I know that, you know, I know I've got to play better and and I'm focused on on shoring that up and, and working on the things that I need to do to improve as far as how I feel about the criticism or what people are saying, I'm, I'm kind of more focused on what, what I need to do, and I, I know i got to play better. Uh, he does. Hopefully the offensive line will play better, and if uh, they don't screw things up, he'll be tutoring a new quarterback that they're going to get in the draft. Yeah, I'd be a little worried about that. Well, not he's not worried about it. He's kind of hoping that they don't take a quarterback in the draft, but that win against Washington and now a game against the Patriots – it feels like there's the possibility that we get to the end of the season. The Giants are not picking one, two, or three, but they're picking seven, eight, nine. Um, yeah. Who knows? It's only one game. Maybe that's just that. That's the one blip, and there's not going to be any other blips. But uh, it, it seems like there's at least the possibility. I, I'll say this: the Giants are clearly trying to win. Whether or not they can win, that's another story. Yep. Gordon, the Knicks are in the news again. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about this. Now, this is all tied together. Now, back in August, you remember they sued the Raptors and the number of their coaches over the alleged theft of information. Now, according to the Knicks, the person who is now the Raptors' head of video and an assistant player development coach used his position with the Knicks, which he held from 2020 to 2023, to, quote, steal play frequency reports, unquote which is a prep book for the 22-23 season, video scouting files and materials before joining the Raptors. Yesterday in the court filing, Knicks are asking for $10 million in damages and argue that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver should not mediate the situation. Today, Knicks owner James Dolan resigned from the NBA board, of, board, of, uh, NBA board positions, saying that uh, they don't want to listen to what he's got to say. Given that all has occurred lately, he's come to the conclusion, come to the conclusion NBA neither needs or wants his opinion. Now, he wrote in a July memo to Adam Silver that he copied to the other 29 league owners. Now, he did not, delin- he did not relinquish voting power for his franchise. He indicated he returned to Knicks general counsel, Jamal Lassane, to represent the organization at the Board of Governor meetings. And this, this Nick Raptors thing is not going away. And um, it, it's troublesome for me, Gordon, because... There's a player on that team that I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that should be the resolution. The, the, the Knicks don't get the $10 million, but they do get OG Ananobi. Uh, he yes. has to be go uh, to the Knicks now, and uh, that's the resolution. That's the only fa- – look, I don't know that much about the case, but I feel like that's the only fair resolution that we can come up with. So uh, I would bang the gavel down on that. 
Uh, I agree. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. No, not at all. I find those two are mutually exclusive. You know, my speed at which I'm doing the rehab has been kind of the same from the beginning. Just push it as hard as we can every single day. And, you know, as long as we're not stretching the Achilles, you know, we feel like we're in a good place. So I'm thankful to Doc and and Heather and AA and my IPC that's uh, plating right now, all the modalities that we're doing. But no, we're going to push it as hard as we can. All right, that was Aaron Rodgers visiting with uh, Pat McAfee today on ESPN, and he was asked, are you going to slow down the pace of your rehab if the Jets are out of it? And you heard what he had to say, Gordon. No, he's not going to slow it down. He's going to keep pushing. We're still doing this? Yes. We're still doing this? Yes. Can someone anywhere explain this to me, how this could possibly make sense? For, for the Jets. I'm not talking about for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has now made his personality, his brand is, is fighting against doctors and showing that he's the smartest guy in the room and he can do this. People doubted him when he went down with the injury because they said it was season ending. And I said, oh, anything's possible. So I get it. That's his brand. Explain how this helps the New York Jets in any way. It doesn't, and he shouldn't play. Plain and simple. It's it's baffling to me, and I would understand if this were the type of thing where he had said before the season, you know what, I got one more year in me, and however it goes, it goes. All right, then I understand. Get back. You don't want to go out with the way that the season looked like it ended in week one, four plays in. I get that. But at this point, at four and six, if there's not some – playoff possibility and look if they go out and win this week I guess you could still make the case that they're in the mix it just doesn't seem to me what would be the best for the Jets long term it would be to get a healthy Aaron next year because behind a healthy offensive line right an improved offensive line not just healthy an improved offensive line he got hurt behind the old offensive line and it's only gotten more injured as we've gone now, it looks like Becton is going to try to play this week, but mm-hmm. he might go down again. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see how this makes sense to anyone outside of Aaron Rodgers, which leads me to believe no one in the Jets organization can tell this guy no. Mm. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. Head to the phones. Dave's in the car. Dave, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, what's up, guys? Happy holidays. In a perfect world, I would love to have this backup quarterback come in, Boyle, and somehow sneak the Jets into the playoffs. It would be a great story Um, because I feel like if he comes in, I guess my question is, if he comes in and they do well and they miss the playoffs by a half a game, a tiebreaker or whatever, the whole offseason is going to be like, why did you play Wilson? Why didn't you put this guy in sooner? So I have another question after this, and but what, are, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, that question is going to – Dave, we've been asking that question mm-hmm. <laughs> before we got up to this point, and we will continue to ask that question. And, even, and now the question will be, Gordon, why did you wait till now to bring in Tim Boyle? Right, after week after week right. saying, no, that uh, Zach is doing this and Zach is doing that. and 
best opportunity, best option to win. Right. And then all of a sudden now he's he's not their best option to win. And and this is the time where the season seemingly is kind of screwed now. Uh, there was a time where you could have still kind of salvaged this with either a win against the Raiders or a win against the Chargers. Exactly. It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. But uh, do I think that there's a possibility that Boyle comes in and plays better than Zach did? Yeah, I do. I mean, definitely. And then the next question is, this one's a little, here's the thing. Whoever made the call to keep Wilson in there, which I think came from above Salah and above Joe and above the the GM. So you're saying the owner. How is it going to look if, yeah, the owner. How is it going to look if Rodgers is healthy, let's bring Rodgers back? It's like, if, if you're going to micromanage this thing, micromanage it in a more cerebral way, meaning no, you're going to have a seat, Aaron. Like, if he lets Aaron Rodgers come back on top, on, come back to play after this injury, behind that line, on top of the giving the green light where you have to play Zach, I mean, this is just going to be an awful taste. And New York sports fans are going to be like, what's going on with the Jets on a whole other level? All right, I don't know Dave, what to say. What do you call? Yeah, thanks for the phone call. People are already saying that about the Jets. And they've said <laughs> that about the Jets for many years. Unfortunately, if you're a Jet fan, you know you've lived it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. And that's why it is. everybody's very interested to see how the Jet front office handles this situation. Because, look, Rodgers is doing what Rodgers is supposed to do. He's rehabbing. He's the, His focus is getting better and getting ready to play. That's what he's supposed to do. But it doesn't mean that he's supposed to get ready to play this season. It means that he's supposed to get ready and rehab his injury as quick as possible. And, yeah, okay, if they were in a situation where, all right, maybe if everything turned out well and they had a shot at the playoffs and, and even the offensive line was a little better than what it's been, then, okay, maybe you consider bringing him back depending on what the situation is. But, Gordon, he's talking about coming back, like, in December near Christmas. The season will be long gone by then. I, I, I don't see what is to be gained. Like, is it? It really feels like it's just about him. Mm-hmm. It's not about the team. Now, I could see if it was the type of of injury where you want to see him on the field. Remember when Degrom was going into free agency? You wanted to see what he would look like before he hit free agency to see if he was healthy, like that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I could understand maybe then, hey, let's see what he looks like. He is 40 years old. Are we going to resign? But they, they're all in. Right. So I, I just don't understand what can be gained by having him play because to be in a playoff race at that point, you would have to assume that Tim Boyle's playing pretty well. Yeah. Because you got a ground to make up. As we, as we mentioned last night, there's only two teams in the entire AFC that are behind the Jets right now. In terms yep. of the playoff chase. Two. Two teams. So you got a lot of ground to make up. You need a lot of help to get there. Now you do play Miami a couple of times. You play the Patriots again. So that should be an easy one at the end of the season. You've got some games that you would think, okay, maybe if things break right. The Falcons are not very good. They play Washington, I think, too, right? Do they mm-hmm. play Washington? Yeah, they play so, Washington. So, you know, maybe there's some wins there. But you would need to, for those games when Rodgers is assumingly healthy to play – you would need whoever the quarterback now to play fairly well to be able to win games until that point. 
until this team shows that they can score consistently, there's nothing for you to even discuss about playoffs. Right. You got you to gotta win games first. Yeah. And, and, and in order for you to win games, you got to score. And until we see that, we can't even discuss playoffs. Playoffs? 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 Yeah. Well, look, here's the thing. If Boyle goes out there and plays well this week and either the Jets win or the Jets score 24 points, the takeaway is going to be, well, what the hell were you waiting for? Mm-hmm. Playoffs. Right? And if he goes out there and plays similar to Zach Wilson and they can't score any points and they can't get anything going, the, the finger has to point towards Joe Douglas as to why when Rodgers went down, you did not try to get a better quarterback yep. than Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle uh, it, right. or Trevor Simeon. It feels like when they went out, when, when Rodgers went down and they said Zach's going to be the guy, they were looking for someone who would not challenge Zach. Mm-hmm. which is a bad way to go about it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not. it should not have been about Zach. It's supposed to be about the other 51 in that locker room that's mm-hmm. given their heart and soul every week to try to win. And remember, this is a team that has not made the postseason in 13 years. Yeah. I mean, that should have been the priority. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. We'll uh, know your opponent. We'll have that segment in about, oh, seven, eight minutes from now. Right now, let's hear what Spike in St. Pete's got to say. What's up, Spike? Well, first of all, I want to wish both you guys a wonderful Thanksgiving. And thank you. You're our guys. You know that phrase. Buddha gave it to you and stuck for us. Uh, A wonderful Thanksgiving with your loved ones, your families. Eat, drink, and be merry. And please, if I have one wish... No more talk about the Jets. It's, you know, when sports talk radio first started uh, on a mass basis down the dial in 1987, there were three topics. I'm sure you guys listened when it started. It was Patrick Ewing, it was Darrell, and Doc. And that's all you heard about because the Mets were, you know, so prevalent then. And to this day, I'll always say the Mets should have won a couple of more titles with that squad. But but I'm going to leave it at this. I got to make a basketball comment. And. Last night's game, I kind of figured the Knicks were going to tire and lose. This kid, Anthony Edwards, if he's not, he's 21 or 22 years old. Mm-hmm. He was the number one pick in the draft. And if you didn't follow college basketball or, or a G League, you know, who is this guy? Well, you saw last night, Larry, you always talk about halftime adjustments, correct? Yes, yes. He comes out and takes over the game. He made two specific plays. You watched the game last night, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. He 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 made two plays. Once the ball was stripped from him, he retook it back and made a three. And another play, he kind of made a stutter step and and a fade away from the you know from the key. And he's just he has no flaw. I see no flaw in his game. And that's a good team. And you said that too, Gordon. That's a good team. No embarrassment losing to them. They got a good coach who's kicked around a long time. And I do think the Knicks, unless they get Kawhi Leonard or God knows LeBron James, guys, you know how much basketball I've watched and how old I am. I've never seen anyone at this advanced age come anywhere close to do what he's doing. And the other night, and I'll leave you with this, and again, have a great holiday. What he did to Dylan Brooks, who I loved, and I wanted the Knicks to get him if they could get his head straight, he's a terrific three-point shooter. He was in Oregon when he played with the Celtics guy now, Peyton Pritchard. 
mm-hmm. shooting 50% from three, and he gives LeBron a hell of a time. And, and you watch this Houston team with this coach, Ume Adoka. They're 6-6 six mm-hmm. six now. They lost their first three, so on and so forth. But they're in every game. And the Knicks, I want to be in every game. But they hit this. You said it last year, Gordon. What was your expression? They scraped the ceiling or something? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. They, they, there's five teams they really can't compete with right now. I'm not sure about Philly. Sorry, Buddha. But it's Boston and uh, the Bucks and Denver. And, and I don't know. I don't know where Phoenix is going. But I wish the best for them. I think they're going to win plenty of games. And I'm hoping for a, a February deal and if, if all the cards go right, everyone picks up their game. But you saw last night, when the competition gets better, they're just not as good. So, boys, thanks for all the entertainment, and I'm thankful for you guys. Thanks, Spike. Thanks for the kind words. Gordon, you know what? I hear what he's saying. He's a 1,000% right. But, I mean, looking at how these Nick teams have been over the years, as I told you last night, for me, as a fan, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying them beating the teams that they are supposed to beat and being in the running to at least be competitive with teams that are better than they are. So this way, the front office can say, okay, we really need to make some changes and we need to address this position and that position. Instead of just saying, well, you know, we're good. We're just not. No, it's, it's, you're mediocre. You're, you're, in, you're in the second tier of the Eastern Conference with a lot of, with a lot of other people. So now your job is to move up as close to that first tier as possible with whatever players you can get, and and that's what uh, Leon Rose and company have to do. Yeah, it almost seems like there's been this narrative now established, and I heard Charles Barkley say this, and, and others have as well, that, well, the Knicks, their ceiling is as a playoff team that might win a playoff series, but that's it. As if that's not a huge improvement from where they were just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not. It would be one thing if the Knicks had made the playoffs and lost either in the first or second round for five years. They won a playoff series last year for the first time in, what, a decade? Yeah. This is a massive improvement, and it allows the – what has been the mistake of so many past regimes? They force the trade. They force the big move. They feel like they got to make a splash. What the level of success the Knicks have reached, however you want to describe it, it is a level of success, making the playoffs two out of three years, certainly seeming like they're on a, a road to make the playoffs again this year. It allows them a longer runway where they don't have to force a panic move or a panic trade, and it allows that kind of thing to, to happen organically. Now, I don't know who that superstar that they're going to make a trade for is. doesn't seem like that person's apparent right now. But this idea, well, the, the Knicks, the best they can do is win an opening round playoff series, and that's it. I don't know. That's pretty good for right I'll take that yeah. for right now, considering yeah. five years. The, the four years, I worked it out on Saturday, Larry, the four years before these four years, the Knicks averaged 23 wins a season. And were a joke. Right. They were the punchline of the NBA. And, and to think that in four years you've now kind of established something where the expectation, yes, is is not just to make the playoffs. And it's not like this wild expectation. Oh, I think we could be a playoff team if things break right now. You're expecting to be a four or five or a six seed this year. That's the expectation. That's an improvement from where they were when the, the, the last regime had the controls of the reins. And this year you're expected to do better than you did last year. Yeah. Look, if the Knicks were to win a playoff series this year and lose in the second round again, that would be a disappointment. But is it the type of thing where, oh, 
what a what a disgrace or what no they're still built this is still they're still in the process of putting this together now if in the course of this year they do go out and make that big move for the big name player who comes in and is the best player on the team right away and they only get as far as they got last year, well, then that will be a major disappointment. But if they get back to where they were last year and have a similar series in the second round and lose for whatever reason, I think I could, I, I, I think I could live with that. I'm not going to be devastated by that. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's time. To know your opponent. On ESPN New York Tonight, Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Let's head down to Miami. That's where Alanis Timms does a great job covering the Miami Dolphins for the Associated Press. Alanis, thanks for joining us again. Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer in New York. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Alanis, let's talk about this Dolphins team, and we always talk about them and their offense, which has been stupendous, especially if you're a big fan of fast wide receivers like Tyreek Hill. But I'm noticing that while they're still scoring points, they haven't scored 20 in three of their last four games. Is there something missing that you've noticed, or is it better competition? Well, you know, one of the issues that we're seeing in the past few games is turnovers, right? You know, they've turned the ball over multiple times um, in a couple of their last, I think it's like two of their last four games, they've had multiple turnovers. So that's one thing that's just, I mean, you can't score points if the ball's not in your hand, right? So um, that's one factor. And then obviously there are injuries, you know, they're dealing with injuries along the offensive line. Um, Devon Achan, their standout rookie, um, he's he's been missing for four games and he came back this past game and he aggravated that knee again. And, um, you know, that's a huge chunk of their production. That's not, that's not available for them. So it's, so there's like multiple, there's multiple different factors that have factored into them not scoring the same points uh, that we're used to, to seeing from them. Alanis, uh, I know Tyreek Hill uh, left the game against the Raiders briefly, did return uh, the hand injury. How much of a concern is that moving forward? He didn't appear too concerned about it after the game. He said that, you know, he just simply got popped and that's what happened. And he he left the game, uh, you know, to get an x-ray on it. And he came back in and he's not too worried about it. Um, You know, he was listed on their practice report today as limited um, for their walkthrough that they held today. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's too much concern about his availability for this game. There's been some conversation about how better teams' defenses has done a little better job at trying to keep Miami from scoring the way they've scored before. Aside from the injuries that you mentioned earlier, is there something that you've noticed that teams are doing, the better teams are doing against this offense that's caused them to not make some adjustments? Yeah, you know, obviously a big thing that defenses are trying to do is take away that big play, right? So if they can do anything to limit those deep passes down the field, um, that's that's a big part of what the Dolphins do. They're very, very good in those explosive plays. They lead the league in plays of 25-plus yards. So defenses are seeing that, and they're playing a lot of too deep. They're playing a lot of uh, defenses that are, you know, taking away that uh, taking away that explosive play. So. Um, that's something that we've seen the past couple of weeks as well um, that you can attribute to, uh, you know, to some of the, the adjustments that we're seeing. 
Alanis, the fact that the Dolphins have not beaten a team with a winning record this season has been uh, a lot of the talk uh, outside of, I'm sure, the Miami area. You know, the, the national reputation is, yeah, Dolphins, they score a lot of points, but they're that team that until they beat somebody good is kind of uh, looked at maybe as, as a little bit of frauds. Uh, how much of that talk has, has filtered to the team, and, and what do they make of it? You know, they, they know what the narrative is, and they just take it. You know, Mike McDaniel was asked about this a couple of weeks ago, and he said the narrative, the reality is, until we beat a team with a running record, that's what the narrative is going to be after every game. So, you know, they're aware of it. Um, they're, um, you know, doing obviously what they can to, to beat these better teams. But if you look at their schedule, I mean, uh, the Chiefs, uh, the Eagles, the Bills, you know, these yeah. are tough environments that they've had to go on and these are very physical teams uh that they're having to play and you know earlier in the season they're playing these teams uh without some of their best defenders as well you know so um so yeah it's out there that's that's what their reality is um but you know mcdaniel also talks about playing their best football late in the season when you get in these late november december games so there is time to uh sort of shift that narrative especially now that their 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 defense is kind of hitting its stride and it's the healthiest it's been really all season. Great transition. It talks about the fact that you that uh, Miami gets Jalen Ramsey back. He already made a, a big play in, in the uh, Raiders game with an interception. What does him returning do to that defense? I mean, it's completely transformed it, right? And when you ask some of his teammates, they'll say the same thing. There's just no replacing a guy with his talent and what he does on the field. I mean, he has three interceptions in three games. Um, and, and the things that he and Xavier Howard and Cater Co. who have been able to do in the past two games, you know, they've been able to to shut down some of the opposing receivers. I know Devontae Adams for the Raiders had a touchdown uh, last week. But for the most part, I mean, that unit has, has really, really hit its stride since the return of Jalen Ramsey. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're feeling it and they're – they're giving all of their, their praise to the all-pro cornerbacks. Alanis, um, you're talking about the defense. Uh, and Last week they, they certainly got after Aiden O'Connell. This week they get Tim Boyle, who's now thrown in there as the quarterback of the Jets. What's been the conversation looking ahead to this Jets game and a quarterback for a team that's offensively, uh, offensively challenged, to say the least? For sure, for sure. You know, they approach it as every game. Our job is to get after the quarterback, no matter who is behind, no matter who is under center, no matter who is on the other side. And so that's how they're they're approaching it. They they're they want to get sacks. They want to sort of put those guys in position to make those big plays that we've been seeing. And so that's how they're gonna you know that's how they're gonna approach this game. It's a short week. It's a you know a quick turnaround. But they're looking they're looking at it as an opportunity to continue sort of taking the steps that we've seen them take. Um, in the past few weeks, no matter who the quarterback is. Last one for me, and we thank you for joining us. Just looking past this, <clears throat> looking past this game for a moment, what's been the feeling in the locker room reaction to what Buffalo's done? They were moving, you know, firing their OC and what teams are doing, trying to catch up to Miami, who's been in first place mm -hmm. for most of the season. I will say that they are not satisfied. They're sitting at seven and three right now. They're not satisfied with just being seven and three. Their goal is to win this division. They are very aware of the fact that the Buffalo Bills have controlled the AFC East for the past few years, and they want to be the team to be in this division. And they know what that's going to take. They're going to have to, like we talked about earlier, they're going to have to beat good teams, and they're going to have to beat the Buffalo Bills. They lost to them earlier, but they're going to face them at home um, in their last regular season game uh, of the season. 
and so that's 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 the goal. You know, their goal is not to be seven and three; it's to make a deep playoff run and hopefully take this team to the Super Bowl. So they're they're talking about it. They've mentioned several times this season that they are not afraid to talk Super Bowls, and that is their goal, and that's what they're working toward each each week. Alana Stims, Associated Press reporter covering the Miami Dolphins. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Happy Thanksgiving and enjoy the game Friday. You as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Gordon, it's interesting. Uh, This is a fascinating game for me because I want to see, first of all, obviously from the Jet offense, just not not saying that Tim Boyle is going to be great, okay? Mm -hmm. But just looking at the difference in how the offensive line looked because he got rid of the football a little quicker, I'm just curious to see what they will do and his familiarity kind of with what Nathaniel Hackett has done previously because he spent time in Green Bay. I'm curious to see how that looks against uh, what's going to be a heavy dose of Miami defense because your offensive line is compromised. Yeah, I would think that the criticism about Zach Wilson, the one thing that it's kind of tough to go against is when people say he gives him the best chance to win because what is Tim Boyle going to go in there and do? And I, I, can, I can kind of see that from a point of view, but the problem with that is it feels like last year a lot of people said, well, what do you think Mike White is going to do? And Mike White went in there and played significantly better. So the fact that, that Tim Boyle knows this offense and, and gets to the line quicker and maybe can process things a little bit quicker – I do worry as a Dolphin fan that there could be a little bit of getting out of jail for the Jets, right? Like now they finally have been unleashed and they can go out there and, and maybe guys will start catching balls and the, the, the pass rush won't be so much uh, or the, uh, the, the offensive line won't be that much of an issue and they can make some plays and, and get a win. The worst that you can feel for a Jet is when things are seemingly pointed really well. Like optimism is the Jets' biggest nemesis pessimism sometimes is their greatest strength. When everybody is writing them off like they are writing them off this week, sometimes that's the time they respond. Should be an interesting game on Friday. I hope it's an interesting game on Friday, Gordon. I hope it's not. I hope hope it's a 50 to nothing blowout, Well, I understand that. In terms of my team. I understand. I understand. But, you know. I'd rather I'll call up football. Joe at halftime and see how he's feeling. Oh, leave Joe alone. Joe's been traumatized this season. Give him a break. Uh, look, he knew what he was getting into being a Jet fan. You, you know the yeah. deal when you sign the, on the dotted line. You, you know yeah, what's going but, on. You know, I feel bad for him. He had Aaron Rodgers. He was look, it was all looking rosy and bright. See, perfect example. Optimism of Aaron Rodgers. What happens? Boom, negativity. And then <laughs> negativity of losing Aaron Rodgers. What happens? An unbelievable win on opening night. That's the Jets. Jets just can't have nice things. They just can't.